How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. This is the podcast that's all about the cuisine that is said to have founded modern cooking. French ingredients and dishes have been the starting block for many of the world's best chefs and cooks. So on Fabulously Delicious, you'll learn all about those dishes and ingredients, as well as get to know more about fabulous French foodies. I'm your host, Andrew Pryor. Enchanté. Enchanté. Ten years ago, my life changed when I competed on MasterChef Australia, and now I'm living my best life right here in the French countryside. Cooking, eating, meeting wonderful locals, food producers, chefs, home cooks, drinking amazing wines and eating some of the over, would you believe there are more than 1,500 French cheeses? And I'm eating them and sharing these fabulous experiences with you, my fabulously delicious audience. I hope you're enjoying them. Today is episode number Saint Carole et Un, and the eighth episode in series four of Fabulously Delicious. We are continuing the series of the A to Z of French herbs, and today's herb is actually one of the oldest known cultivated vegetables and herbs. It was thought that it cured baldness, so I'm about to go buy buckets of it. Lucky for me, I live in a region of France that has the largest in Europe waterbed that grows it. Sit back, turn the volume up. If you're not driving, pour yourself a glass of wine, break a baguette, add a bit of saucisson maybe, some of that delicious cheese, and enjoy today's episode of Fabulously Delicious, the A to Z of French herbs, watercress. Watercress, or yellowcress as it is also known, is pronounced Cresson de Fontaine in French and spelled Cresson, C-R-E-S-S-O-N, de, D-E, Fontaine, F-O-N-T-A-I-N-E. Its botanical name is Nasturtium officinale, but despite this Latin name, it is not closely related at all to the popular flowers known as nasturtiums. It is in fact a part of the brassica family or cabbage family of plants. Cresson in the French name comes from the French word cresso, K-R-E-S-S-O, which comes from the German word kres, K-R-E-S-S-E, which then became curson. The Latin name comes from nasum, N-A-S-U-M, which means the nose, and torque, T-O-R-Q-U-E-R-E, which means to grimace or twist. The second name in the botanical name, the officinale, is the word used to remind us that the plant first had a medicinal use. It can also go by the name of creek watercress, graisson, cardamine and burley. As the name suggests, it's an aquatic species of the family of brassicas. The hollow stems of the watercress plant float in the water. Watercress is a perennial plant that is native to Europe and Asia and is found everywhere in Asia from China all the way to Pakistan and can even be found in North Africa. In some places, it is regarded as a weed 
and in the state of Illinois in the US, it is actually considered an invasive species and banned. But in other places around the world, it's considered either a herb or an aquatic vegetable. It has deep green leaves and paler green stems that are crisp to eat. There are many relatives to watercress, including gardencress, mustard, radish and wasabi, all known for their unique and spicy flavours, of course. Being related to these herbs, it does have a strong taste to it, watercress. People would say that it's slightly bitter to taste, even that it has a peppery flavour to it. Watercress is the 17th day of the Brumaire month of the French Republican or Revolutionary Calendar, which is usually every 7th of November. One of the qualities of watercress that makes it popular to many growers and farmers is that it grows rather rapidly, being ready to harvest two months after sowing. It is available all year round, but is thought to be best from September until April in the Norman Hemisphere. The best environment for it to grow is a shallow, non-acidic, slow-running water. So you'll find it in the wild, usually in places like ponds or streams. Known as a water purifying plant, it is capable of fixing excess nitrates and heavy metals in the water. But when used to purify, it should not be consumed. Watercress is known as one of the oldest leaf vegetables to be consumed by humans. The whole plant can be eaten raw. It is said that the first cultivation took place around 400 BCE on the Greek island of Kos. The ancient Romans thought that eating watercress would cure mental illness and even baldness. They are said to have treated insanity with vinegar and watercress. Hmm, sounds delicious. And Roman emperors ate watercress, it is believed, to help them make important decisions. Xenophon, an ancient Greek philosopher and military leader, said that young men sent hunting were satisfied with water and bread seasoned with watercress. Hippocrates would choose the location of hospitals because of the ability to grow watercress on the side. And he also believed that it would mitigate the effects of drunkenness. In the Middle Ages, mystic and polymath Hildegard of Bingen, also known by the name Saint Hildegard, thought that eating watercress that had been steamed and then drinking the water that steamed it would cure jaundice and fever. Charlemagne decreed in the Capitulaire de Villas, a legislative act from 8th to 9th century, that recommended a hundred plants cultivated, watercress was one of the herbs and vegetables recommended in the act. It would be used often as a breath freshener and palate cleanser. Native Americans used to use watercress to cure kidney illness and constipation, and some thought that it was even an aphrodisiac. Herbalist Jean Girard from the United Kingdom celebrated the use of watercress as a remedy for scurvy, and Captain James Cook said that watercress in the diet of his sailors helped him to circumnavigate the globe three times. Although how he was growing watercress on a ship, I have no idea.
Fabulously Delicious is a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and some of my favourite fabulous shows on the Evergreen Podcast Network are the French History Podcast, where Dr. Gary Giraud explores events and people from three million years ago to the present day in France. Gary Giraud is a historian with a PhD in modern British and French history. And another great podcast about French history on the Evergreen Network is Le Secle by David Montgomery. This one's all about France's history from 1814 to 1914, a century in France that was full of both turmoil and stagnation, revolution and industrialization, wealth and poverty, colonialism and even humiliation for the French. Check out these and other shows as well as more episodes of Fabulously Delicious at evergreenpodcast.com. Coming to France? Planning a trip to Paris? Or are you one of those lucky ones that live in Paris? Well, I was lucky enough to live there as well. And I can say this, I think I ate my way through Paris for you. So with all that experience of eating, drinking and exploring the city of lights, love and good food, I thought I need to bring that experience to you, my fabulously delicious audience. Because, well, hey, if you're listening, probably love French food, right? So I created my first book, A Food Guide to Paris, called... Paris, a fabulous food guide to the world's most delicious city. In it, you'll find there's 379 recommendations, which consist of 17 boulangeries, 28 cafes, 11 chocolate shops, 13 fromageries, 15 markets, or marchés as they're called in French, 17 patisseries, 172 restaurants, and 27 wine bars. But there's also food streets, gourmet and kitchen supply stores, and so much more. Paris, a fabulous food guide to the world's most delicious city, is a 2024 edition, so that means that it's up to date with all the recommendations you'll need to plan your trip, or if you're coming to this year to Paris, it's perfect for you. You can get a copy on my website, andrewpryorfabulously.com, and you can even get a signed and gift package version. But you can also get it on Amazon, and there's even a Kindle version. I hope you enjoy it. In France, the cultivation of watercress was developed in the early part of the 19th century, and the farms they were grown on are called a cressonnaire. The first cressonnaire was created in Aville saint leonard in Oise in 1811. This came from observations by Joseph-Marie-Étienne Cardon, a director of the Caisse des Hôpitaux de la Grande Armée de Napoléon who observed watercressions near Erfurt in Germany. He then took this practice back to France. Watercress cultivation would be located in Picardy, Ile-de-France and Nord-Pas-de-Calais. Mehiville would claim to be the capital of watercress. Cressonnaires would become popular due to the importing of watercress from France to Germany. Created around areas of spring water, Cressonnaires were pits of parallel ditches between 50 to 70 metres long and around 2 to 3 metres wide. They usually have a depth of about 50 centimetres in which running spring water would be channelled through. The growing and harvest would take place between September and May and then after the season, the ditches would be drained and cleaned out, disinfected and made ready for the next season. The cultivation of watercress in France would be done by hand until 1960, when a machine for cutting watercress was made. In 2020, French watercress production was mainly concentrated in the Ile-de-France region. 
This region produced around 10,000 tonnes a year. Every year since 1987 in Merriville, in France, on the Easter weekend, there has been a watercress fair called the Foire Annuelle or Cresson de Merriville. Watercress is also cultivated in my region, where I live, the Nouvelle Aquitaine, and the main production is in the Lotte Grand, in the area around the Arginet River, where in fact there is the largest watercress bed in Europe. In Paris, watercress soup made from watercress, onion, other herbs and chicken broth was sold at Leal Market, which was a very popular dish for Parisians of that time. Around that time, in the early 1800s, there was about 200,000 bunches of watercress sold every year to restaurants and street sellers in Paris. There was even a popular song sung in the streets then, and the translation of the song goes, I have a good watercress for health, a two cents a bunch, a two cents a bunch. I think we need to remix this one. It could become very popular. According to the French Ministry of Agriculture, watercress is rich in vitamin K as well as vitamins A, C, B and calcium. It is also low in carbohydrates and protein, fat and dietary fibre. If you are looking to keep the benefits of eating watercress, it's best eaten raw, but it can be cooked. It's preferred though that it be steamed and not boiled if you are going to cook it. To eat raw, it is best to steer clear of the wild varieties of watercress due to bugs and lava that can be found on the leaves in the wild. It's popular in French cuisine in salads, soups and as a garnish. But probably one of the biggest ways of watercress is eaten is that it is one of the main ingredients in the V8 vegetable juice sold around the world. One of my favourite ways to use watercress in French cuisine is in a watercress salad. And here's my recipe for watercress salad. The ingredients you'll need? One bunch of watercress juice of half a lemon, two tablespoons of olive oil, one clove of garlic crushed, one teaspoon of Dijon mustard, salt and pepper to taste, and shaved dried goat's cheese or parmesan cheese if you can't get that. The method? Wash and dry the watercress. In a jar, place the lemon juice, olive oil, crushed garlic, mustard, salt and pepper, and shake until it all emulsifies. Then in the salad bowl, Place the watercress and pour over the dressing and toss this to coat all the leaves with the dressing. Shave the goat's cheese or parmesan cheese, whichever you are using, over the top and serve. Then of course, there is the popular watercress soup, which is a delicious way to use watercress. And here's my recipe for watercress soup. The ingredients you'll need. 25 grams of unsalted butter. One tablespoon of olive oil. One onion, finely chopped one garlic clove crushed, a large floury type potato peeled and roughly chopped, three cups of vegetable or chicken stock, one bunch of watercress and salt and pepper to taste. And the method? Wash and dry the watercress, roughly chop it, and then in a large saucepan place the butter and oil on medium heat and add the onion and garlic and cook this until it's slightly translucent. Add the potato, the chopped watercress and stock and cook on a low to medium heat for 20 minutes or until the potato is cooked through. Place in a blender or a food processor and blitz until smooth. Season with salt and pepper and serve with a crusty baguette. 
In Great Britain, in folklore, it is believed that a young girl who on March the 24th sows a line of watercrests and a line of lettuce in a garden can know the character of her future husband. He will be sweet and conciliatory if lettuce grows first. And if the watercress grows first, he'll be demanding and sometimes violent. Right, well, let's all hope for fast-growing lettuce, shall we? That's it for another episode of Season 4 of Fabulously Delicious. How do you use watercress? Have you cooked it? Eaten it? Let me know by contacting me via Instagram. Slide into my DMs at Andrew Pryor Fabulously. Or you can email me on contact at andrewpryorfabulously.com. I love to chat with you all. If you share your recipes for watercress with me, then I'll give them a go and post on my socials and even possibly my blog, which you can find at andrewpryorfabulously.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you know what my motto is. Whatever you do, do it fabulously. Merci beaucoup and bon appétit. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional Book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading.